and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell, and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. A fundamental human need that we all have is a place to call home. Whether we rent, own, or are even rent vesters, how we gain access to our homes and where we live is important. Additionally, property has also been a big way historically that previous generations have been able to build and accumulate wealth. While the Great Australian Dream of Home Ownership is still alive and well among the emerging Generation Ys and Generation Zs, it just seems incredibly unattainable due to a combination of demographic and social trends that are at play. The great Australian dream, or rather the fading Australian dream of home ownership is a big topic of conversation at many barbecues. And this year is a year in Australia of a federal election, and it's already featured as a prominent focus in the recent budget announcements, and understandably so. So joining me today to share his thoughts on the fading dream of home ownership is social researcher Jeff Braley. Jeff, welcome back to the Future Report podcast. Great to be here, Ash. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be talking with about this topic with you. It's certainly a big topic for even people among our generation, being both of us belonging to Generation Y. Um, Jeff, I'd just be keen for you to share a little bit about why you love this topic so much. I mean, I know you love it, but could you share with our listeners why you're so interested in it? Yeah, thanks, Ash. And I certainly do love talking about property and it's around people really that I, I think is my connection. It's uh, my home. I want to have a lovely home to live in. I think we all have that aspiration to have the dream home, the dream location, the dream lifestyle connected with a home. And we certainly clock up a few hours watching TV shows about homes. I remember as a uh, uh, newlywed couple with my wife, Crystal, we spent hour after hour watching Grand Designs, thinking about our future <laughs> home, uh, listening to Kevin McLeod in his British accent, guiding people through that home building narrative. And gee, they had some good budgets and sometimes some small ones, but they all wanted their unique home to live in. And it's interesting, even as we talk about homes, it's not just the uh, uh, sort of standalone home these days. It's the vertical home. It's the connected home, the tiny home. There was a local uh, uh, event on in my area recently, just the tiny home movement. And so homes, even as a topic, is really interesting. And I certainly uh, approach it with the the investor hat. I love talking about wealth and homes and people as uh, as well as that social trend as as we do at Macrinda. We talk about social trends and where people live, why they live there and uh, how that's changing over time. So it's a topic I love speaking on, whether it's in a paid uh, presentation or as you said, the barbecue conversation, the family catch-ups, where are people living, why are they living there? They're all uh, areas I love chatting about. Yeah, it's it's people's movements um, geographically. It's also, like you said, what we look for in a home that's even changed over the last couple of years in terms of what we need our homes to be for us. It's not just a place to sleep anymore. It's a place to work. It's a place to live and entertain when you know lockdowns are lifted and things like that. So it's, it's really, like you said, a fascinating exercise in sort of understanding and observing human behavior. And it makes sense that I guess people are really passionate about the topic of property, and it is a pretty hot topic of conversation uh, among friends, like you said, at, you know, at barbecues and events. Um, for you, Jeff, how do you, as someone who sort of keeps up to date with what's going on in the market, how do you do that? How do you keep across the trends and, and the data and what's going on in terms of property? Yes. Good question. I'm, I'm always geeking out a little bit with property data and always looking for <laughs> new uh, ways to see what's happening in 
property across Australia and, and globally, there's a range of ongoing data releases that come out. And so one of the highlights in my week from a geek factor is the Saturday night email from uh, one of the property groups here in Australia where they announce what is the auction clearance rates for that mm. day's auction. So it's it's pretty quick data, to be honest. You get the, the summary of auction clearance rates by state and you can go down and see what's sold in different suburbs on that day. So the access to information is greater now than ever before. And for auction clearance rates, that's one example of just keeping a finger on the pulse, knowing what's actually happening with the pressure in the market. Because we talk about property markets being red hot at times and certainly know that there's been periods over the last few years where the steam goes out of the the market and so auction clearance rates are one of those things and there's so many different data sets you can access from people movements from might be the national um, statistics organization for each country and here in Australia the Australian Bureau of Statistics provides movements of uh, Australians into the country and within the country that interstate migration or even intrastate migration where are people moving within uh, the country there's things like population projections and so yeah I certainly love looking at the different data sets and trying to find the best ways to keep up to date with what's happening and that is something I think people actually enjoy knowing where to find out what's happening and that's more than just cool what's happening from a sales in an area which is pretty easy to find these days on the property websites and that's great access to free information uh, but it's certainly then it's I think we want to know what's happening with the trends and I often talk about a trend is having a defined variable with a specific area that you can track over time and so a defined variable might be the the prices, could be the population uh, size of that area, it could be the auction clearance rates. There's so many different variables you can track trends in over time and across different geographies. And that's something I, I really enjoy looking into. Mm. And I think for us, what we've seen over the last couple of years as we've taken a bit of a social researcher's lens to the the topic of property and house prices, which has just been phenomenal in Australia uh, in light of you know the pandemic and just the rise that certain areas and um, states have seen. When you think about the social trends that you sort of overlay when you look at this topic, what are some of those go-to things that you think are impacting housing and property and, and that whole conversation? Yeah, certainly. Work from home is top of the list there with yeah. the uh, impact of COVID. One of the positives, I think, for the future of work is that there's a bit more flexibility around where work can be completed and more trust by employers and also technology that's been tested and proven to be uh, effective. So I think certainly that influences where people can live for those particularly knowledge economy jobs. That's one of the key areas where people have decentralized, taken that maybe cap city uh, equity that they were building in a home or apartment and said, actually, let's take a let's take a trip north, let's take a trip coastal or tree change. Let's go find that beautiful acreage property, convert that big city money into a local area that's all of a sudden you get that affordability um, in your lifestyle and you, you're saving money from the commute, you're saving time, you're getting to do the things you love. And so I think we're in that uh, intentional lifestyling uh, was one of the trends of the year we forecast back in early January 2022. And I think we're certainly seeing those uh, population figures come in that's saying people are leaving our cap cities. Um, and so particularly the Sydney and Melbourne cap cities because of that unaffordability, not just the cost of housing, but the cost of living. It's a challenge when you've got to spend time, spend money, uh, particularly in this inflation era as well with uh, cost of petrol now. Um, wasn't one of the trends we probably saw as the start of the year, but I think that will build on the pressure uh, <laughs> yeah. to to relocate. So 
I think that's yeah, a big part of it. That new era of work that we're in uh, is allowing people to move and live in different areas. So it's I guess after uh, Australia and some of the big cities have really had year after year a growing narrative around the unaffordability for emerging generations. And it's it's interesting that one of the trends is that for Gen uh, Zs in one of our studies, it showed that they still have top of the list is home ownership is a dream. But sadly, it's just that for many of them, they're not actually able to buy straight away. And that does take time and patience, but the equation is getting harder and harder to fathom and certainly might stay on the dream uh, for many years, potentially even decades for some young people. So it's a bit of a, a sad story, the fading Australian dream I think you used earlier on. It is probably a, a topic that's a bit touchy for some people. It's a, maybe don't bring it up at the family barbecue because it's it's just not a reality for some people. And so there's some heartache and some family dislocation that's probably occurring for many uh, intergenerational families where people are having to leave areas where they would love to stay. They've got the community, they've got the social connection, but the equation of uh, the math simply just doesn't add up. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, I think, even just to see, because we've been talking about this trend and this you know, great Australian dream for a lot of different organisations who've commissioned us to do some research into, yeah, the rise of vertical communities and how the, 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 the detached home nation that Australia is, is changing because of population growth and urban sprawl and all these different sort of trends. But then, like you said, even to just see that the emerging generation Z still value home ownership is quite phenomenal. And yeah, that research you, you were talking about was the Education Future report that we released last year. And it was that the, st- the stat was that 72% of Generation Zs who are aged, you know, this year between 13 and 27 do desire to own their own home. And that was above having full financial freedom and independence and excelling in their career. And even um, above the 66% who want to travel and see the world. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think, you know, the emerging generations and for us being Gen Ys, I often say the emerging Gen Zs have sort of looked at us and looked at us sort of be locked out of the housing market and go, okay, we st- we need to know we know we need to work hard but that's just not even part of the equation like it is you, you got to work hard you got to save your deposit but just the disparity between that wages growth and house prices growth it's it is really challenging and then you've got more emerging generations starting their earning years with debt uh, from the study and so again that that complicates it all there's there's lots of factors that are at play in those social trends but yeah like you said work from home changing the game people moving regional going okay let's have that affordability and I was speaking to a friend of mine recently who only her and her partner they just recently made the decision to move regional and they said it's so it's it's almost unaffordable there now too because they kind of made the decision late in the game because a lot of people made it early in the pandemic when the demand wasn't as high so the supply and demand lots of different trends but interestingly both of us being based in Sydney we take a key um, focus on on the Sydney market as well as other markets but it's it's fascinating to think about what's happening in certain areas of Australia and Queensland is I know one area one state that we have been thinking and researching about and you've got some really interesting insights about that particular state Jeff can you tell us what sort of trends and factors are are sort of merging to paint this changing story of Queensland? Yeah, Queensland's certainly been the uh, the hero of 2022 <laughs> when it comes to property and, and yeah. people. Queensland's got the attraction factor at the moment. It's got the wow. Yeah. It's got the Olympics. So there's a few broad, big uh, vision things happening across across Queensland. It's certainly getting property price growth, which is great for existing homeowners or investors in that market. It's certainly continuing to get great internal migration. And when overseas migration uh, comes back with... Uh, I guess as we look to solve this, 
the staff shortage that's actually occurring across many different industries with overseas talent. I expect that's when we're going to see uh, Queensland get natural increase, which is one of the forms of population growth. It'll get net overseas migration when that comes back, and it's already getting that net internal migration. So uh, it's the triple green light is what Mark McCrindle called that in a recent article, and I think that's exactly right. It's got green lights, go, go, go for that state, for its economy, for its population, uh, for its communities, and certainly there's uh, planned infrastructure to to support that growth. I think that growth is going to be faster than is expected, though, and certainly people moving from Victoria, New South Wales, particularly the cap cities into, uh, I think that Sunshine Coast, Brisbane and Gold Coast, little uh, just triple uh, triple threat. It's the, the big uh, area of growth. It's that metropolis that's going to be connected with infrastructure. It's got the lifestyle, it's got the affordability and it's got the employability with the work from home trend. So great news for those who've been on that trend and maybe people who've been living there for decades listening to this going, yep, We've been here and loving it. Now people are coming in and crashing the party. And I think that's going to be the feel across some of those regional areas that have been hotspots of growth. People will be probably thinking, wow, that wasn't <laughs> – it's great for some people coming into the, the story now, but also others would be feeling like, well, where's the where's the new place that I can move to? Because the, the pressure is there on the vacancy rates. That's one of the data sets I think that a lot of property investors on the podcast I listen to are highlighting at the moment. It's saying that there's an issue. There's a real support supply issue where demand is greater than the supply and so there's just not enough stock and that's going to lead to community churn which means people are going to have to move out of those places where they've put down roots they've built connections kids go to the local school but if you can't get a home in that area you're going to be forced to look elsewhere and people don't want that and i think that's one of the challenges we're facing right now while there's workplace mobility not everyone wants to move people want to stay in their area and yet might be getting out bid prices rising pretty rapidly in some areas with rentals and not just the home ownership um, sort of equation, but it's the renters looking to stay in an area that they love, but being priced out or actually just not having enough supply to meet the demand. So we all know someone, I'm sure, particularly those of us in Sydney that's that's moved and loving the new lifestyle. But as you say, some people would be going, oh, gee, I can't even move there now. It's almost like in the Monopoly, uh, you think of that blue set, the ideal set. It's like, <laughs> gee, we didn't picture that the, the regional coasts of New South Wales would become a blue set area. They've become highly desirable with access to beaches, great employment, great uh, quality properties, and all of a sudden, what was maybe the orange set and a bit of a hidden hero, those regional areas, now they're the blue set, and we've seen those pop up across coastal areas across Australia. So I think we're um, in an area, in a country that's very blessed, but also certainly becomes pretty expensive to live in. And so that will be a challenge, I think, for uh, for policymakers, for mm community leaders to actually figure out, well, how do we retain people into an area where it becomes unaffordable to live there? Yeah. And that community churn, like you mentioned, is can have a big impact on different areas. Like it, it takes a while to get settled into a community. And like you said, to put, if you've got children, to put them in a school or for yourself to even get plugged into somewhere that you, whether that's a local church or a sporting club or just ways that you find those social connections. And then, yeah, it, it's challenging when the affordability just comes into that because, yeah, for many people, they do have to move regularly. We know, especially with renters, they move more frequently than those who sort of own their home outright or own with a mortgage. So, yeah, the community churn can can be challenging for the places where people plug into community because you you don't get people staying for as long. Um, but yeah, like you said, also those maybe those, some of those regional areas that 
that have kind of experienced some unexpected population growth uh, because of the work from home trend, because of the reprioritization, some of those other social trends that we've talked about in light of what we've experienced in the last two years, therefore then need to work out, okay, well, is there infrastructure here? Is there enough schools and services uh, to meet the population demands? So there are, it's quite a multifaceted sort of area um, rather than just the affordability equation. There's also some sort of flow on impact events that I think, yeah, we're going to see, like we said, in in a in a year of a federal election, in, in and we saw that in some of the budget announcements as well, in terms of regional areas, housing affordability, increasing people's access to all of that. Mm. And I'll just jump in quickly, yeah, because I think the the biggest question I get asked uh, when I'm talking to people about property is, will the regional growth continue to happen? Mm. People aren't sure if that's just a little fad. Yeah, uh, I, I think the latest data that's come through is really emphatically saying cap cities have got a big issue, particularly Sydney and Melbourne. Um, but what I think is going to continue to happen is people who are in Australia already will continue to look to regional areas for that lifestyle, the affordability, the employability. But we will continue to see cap cities grow. They're not they're not a abandoned like the sinking ship. They're not. Com- <laughs> but I think there is a leak, and if the leak of affordability and infrastructure can't be addressed, that's going to be one issue that needs to be focused on, particularly around future planning for Australia, but even regions need access to services. We've gone through a health crisis and I think the access to healthcare, when you suddenly throw in and fill every home in a city, in a town, you're going to put greater pressure on the local GP, on the local school. Those kind of key services need to be adjusted and resourced. And then you think through the transport needs with this new work from home trend that still people need to get into the office maybe once or twice a week. How do we connect our regions to the cap cities? Uh, You probably know where I'm going with this, Ash. I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up here right now. (laughs) I think it's things like high-speed rail. It's things like making sure we've got not just the the four-hour commute coming down on a a kind of car where that cost for petrol is just going to become unaffordable. We need to think through big-picture long-term growth for this nation and connecting these growing regional hubs, not just for the next three years, but this trend I expect will continue into the decades ahead, that we've got beautiful location cities and towns across every state, but how do they connect? Because we've got this new work model now that's saying you actually do need to get into the office occasionally. Uh, It might be once a month, might be a couple of times a week. But that personal transport, I think, needs to be addressed so that we can actually build cities that connect to those regional areas. And we're really rebalancing our population by filling in those regional towns and communities that we've talked about and wondered how would that happen across Australia. And now we actually need to plan for that next couple of decades, I think, and build the infrastructure that we'll see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. There are, like you said, so many flow-on effects there. And and I guess thinking about the future of housing and, you know, this great Australian dream, this potentially fading Australian dream, it is somewhat overwhelming, I find, even, you know, when, when Mark and I were writing the Generation Alpha book to think about what this could look like for the children of today. I mean, it's daunting being a Gen Y myself in terms of what this is going to look like over the next five, 10 years, or even for the Gen Zs coming through the teenagers of today, but even like our real youngsters, it's interesting. And and when we were writing that Generation Alpha book, Jeff and I, you were just talking about this um, offline a, a few moments ago, just in terms of the, the forecasts are wild. If the if the growth continues um, at perhaps even a conservative pace, uh, it could be that, you know, as we approach the middle of this century, the median uh, you know, house price in Sydney could be above $4 million um, up, you know, from over the mill. I know. Like, was what? that a typo? Was that a, I wondered when I read the book, I was like, is that a typo? Have we, four uh, but million. $4 million. I've got three Gen Alphas and I'm playing the dad hat here for a moment going, how on earth am I meant to help them enter the property market? 
And and I think yeah. not just not just to be an investor, I'm thinking of them as a young uni students heading into the workforce, starting families. How can I equip and educate them to know the reality? And that's probably one of the trends I think that, yep, property prices are expensive now, but I expect they will continue to grow. And that's not just because I want them to grow as an investor. I want them to grow. Uh, I think they will grow because the population forecasts are indicating Australia is a global destination location, let alone the cities that are most uh, I'd iconic and I think Sydney wins that race. I'll play that against Melbourne and Perth <laughs> or wherever other people might want to demand and debate that. Uh, but I think Sydney does have that global livability, that uh, incredible education, world-class kind of amenity, the beautiful harbour. There's so much to love and that's what the price tag is. It's the value of that city that people will live in and certainly a $4 million median house price kind of scares the life out of me as a dad, but I, I think it's quite reasonable. Gee, in, in Two decades, I expect that will be the trend that will be uh, seeing prices incredibly high compared to what they were. Uh, I guess probably I temper that with a little bit that I don't expect my kids to buy the median home for their first home. Or <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so be be okay with taking humble beginnings, those first steps. And I've actually got a little savings jar for my two eldest kids, a six and an eight year old right now. And I think there's two dollars in one of my kids' jars. I'll be honest. So it's a long planning journey, is all I'm trying to say. That my six-year-old is planning and saving for his first home. And that might be a very small one better that he first lives in. And who knows what, what what's possible. But uh, I think like you mentioned earlier, the Gen Zs have kind of seen Gen Ys and gone, wow, let's not let's not be a Gen Y. <laughs> let's not get stuck in the uh, kind of smashed avo and mm-hmm. lifestyle era. Let's, let's knuckle down, save early. And I reckon it'll be the same for Gen Alphas that they'll rely on the bank of mum and dad maybe for a little bit, but they'll certainly need to plan long and hard to get into the property market. Absolutely. And I think you touched on something there that was really wise and profound because I think what I remember sort of talking about this topic and and writing commentary on it a few years back was that the Gen Ys wanted to like they were, you know, I say we because we're both Gen Ys, we're, we're ambitious generation, you know, and we're like, yeah, we, we want to get in the housing market. And like you said, maybe with a bit more of that lifestyle spend under our belts, uh, a lot of travel uh, priorities, which is expensive, a lot of like eating out. And this, that's where that sort of smashed avo comment um, kind of originated from. But yeah, obviously the conversation is more complex than that. But something else was just the expectations that I think many young people had. And it was that I, what I heard, I remember at the time, was that many people today entering the housing market wanted to enter it in the way they've seen their parents sort of finish. Like if you've grown up in a three-bedroom house in suburbia and then you're like, well, why can't I afford that, you know, off the bat, my first home, you know? So yeah, oftentimes you've got to get in the market, it's a humble beginning and then you you work it out from there. But um, yeah, I think there's some great advice there as a dad yourself, Jeff, to some youngsters, but also as someone who is, yeah, keeping ahead of the trends advising organizations on these topics. You've de- delivered lots of, um, yeah, paid professional space. Uh, talks on this topic, uh, some very great wisdom there because it is a complex issue. And I think, yeah, for us as social researchers, we do take that broader contextual lens rather than what's the housing increase, what's the wage increase, what's the difference. No, let's look at some of those those other trends that are at play as well. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting couple of couple of weeks and months ahead. I'm, I'm sort of mm. sitting on the edge of my chair as the <laughs> as a as a dad, but as a social researcher, as someone that's interested in property, because we're going to see interest rates rise soon. Yeah. Could be could be three to six months away. We're going to see some federal um, policy around what does home ownership look like. It's a, it's a real, I guess, ticket to votes, and so I expect we'll mm. see more and more uh, announcements and emphasis on housing affordability. I think we're going to need to temper that with the 
cost of living issues with inflation as well. Mm. So I expect we'll be having plenty more conversations around barbecues and workplaces and, and employers thinking, gee, how do we retain talent and look at building uh, workplaces where people can live in these expensive cities? Mm. And so it's certainly going to be a topic I think we'll continue to loop back in and maybe I'll get an invite back. Who knows? But uh, oh, I certainly absolutely. think there'll be plenty more, plenty more conversations about property and people. It's something I love chatting about. So thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. You've been delighted to have. Thanks so much for your wisdom and insight today, Jeff. And for all our listeners, if you'd like to stay up to date with new articles that we've written or insights about property, about social trends, future trends, you can keep up to date with our latest insights by subscribing to the podcast or you can follow us on social media. Uh, and if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify as always. So once again, thank you for listening and bye for now. <laughs>